Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to the Office 365 Tech Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your host, and with me is my co-host, Derek Lodars from FireLogic out of Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Derek. Hey, Lisa. Hello. Oh, it's been a uh, interesting few weeks, and uh, boy, I mean, all the things that have happened uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, just before we're starting to trying to record here between uh, your internet and my craziness with uh, client work that came up uh, late, early this morning. It's just uh, it's a never-ending game in the world of tech. I know, and the thing I've always learned is podcast shows come last in life. You have to take care of you first, work second, then podcasting. Yeah, yeah, no, I fully agree. I, I did not expect this customer. You know, one of my clients, he actually is, he's, he's our accountant, um, uh, believe it or not, and uh, he he actually has appointments lined up all day today to do uh, oh. consultations with clients. So I, I had to get him up and running. I was actually working on his system until about like two in the morning last night. So, oh my god! Um, you know, I know we, we were supposed to get going a little bit earlier today but i said i needed oh, an extra okay. extra hour or two of sleep that's the difference between being a zombie and you know being functional today so well hey we got a second show out within what two weeks yeah two week Not period bad. i think that's that's pretty good that's uh, definitely yeah. very good we had uh you know definitely a lot of people listening in and, and downloading the episode number one and uh i'm hoping for just as good of a show today so me too. Well, let's first by telling our audience that we are going to be uh, having our downloads available at www.office365techshow.com. Should be pretty easy for people to find. Our notes will be in there, and our past show will be there as well. Um, I got some feedback from a couple listeners, Derek, that they actually said they had listened to the first show a couple times, which I thought was funny. Well. Show number one was quite long. We uh, we wow. definitely went o- we definitely went over on time and uh, wow. but again, there's a lot of great content. I mean, we went deeply into you know a lot of the basic concepts of 365 and you know a lot of those things that you know we just had to cover. I couldn't I couldn't you know imagine doing show number one without including you know a lot of that stuff that we went over. Yeah, so exactly, I did get an email from somebody that just said you know look in your next show can you again recap what is Office 365? I think you know maybe because we just took care of so many topics in the first show they just want a simple recap so i thought we would cover that today okay and uh again we also did have uh somebody that said we'd like to still hear your stories they're you know like i used to do the stories at the beginning so they've encouraged us to tell more stories while we talk well we will insert (laughs) them and wherever you know wherever we see fit wherever possible so we'll we'll try to keep that trend going well, let's get started. So uh, to get started, we have to recap Office 365. And I guess, Derek, I'll just start by saying that a lot of people are using that term real loosely, right? Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. I think, again, this goes back to you know Microsoft's marketing machine just causing a lot of misconception and confusion out in the market. And you know Office 365 is a little bit of a different thing to, you know, no matter who you ask, right? I mean, you've mm-hmm. got... Uh, in essence, you know, three different flavors of the product. You've got the home version, you've got the business edition of the suite, and then, of course, you've got the standalone desktop products that you can download that Microsoft calls, you know, 365 Pro Plus. So, yeah. very confusing in terms of, you know, <laughs> all the different flavors of it, and and that's part of the important process that, you know, we have to go through as techs in terms of educating people and, you know, say, hey, that, that you know, downloadable Pro Plus 365 version is not going to give you any email, or likewise, you know, the, yeah. the home version is just going to be, you know, the desktop suite. You're not going to get email as part of that. Uh, so, you know, we have to, you know, make sure we go over those nuances with individuals and people mm-hmm. looking to go into 365 because it is it is quite confusing. And my, Microsoft has not done much to, you know, help us as people who have to, no. you know, help, uh, you know, sell this product and get and, and, and help our customers out. So I, th- I think that since a lot of this is actually uh, misconceptions, we'll, we'll throw that in at as well, I, I get a lot of clients that call and say, I already have Office 365. So mm-hmm. I have to do the interview process and say, mm-hmm. what did you buy? And <laughs> they say, well, I went to Best Buy and I bought something off the shelf. Well, then we know that's a home version. Yeah. So a lot of people actually just say Office 365 when we when they actually just have Office 2013 with the OneDrive package. So I'm going to kick this off by saying... That's the common use term for it. Mm-hmm. Office 365, which includes 
The Office 2013 and OneDrive, and that's pretty much it. Okay, so to recap again, the Office 365 Home, we don't really deal with too much. But in the business side, there are so many different products. And this is why the person emailed in and said, look, can you try to explain it a little bit better? Is basically, you know, we have a link here for the show as well for you to go and see the different packages. It's what I consider is the misconceptions of Microsoft's marketing that makes it hard for everybody to understand. Once you know the packages, you can sell them better. So as your homework and listeners, you might want to go and review that a little more in depth and know by what Derek and I are going to tell you what we sell upcoming here and the misconceptions, which I think Derek is going to be very helpful, right? I fully agree. Good. Okay, so uh, the link will be in the notes if you're following along. It's called the products.office.com with a big link there. Um, now, Derek, we're going to start off by some of the misconceptions of it. And with that, we can talk about each of the packages. Sure. Okay. This is a good roll-in. I happen to deal with a lot of people that have already bought Microsoft Office 365 mm-hmm. online. They overbuy their products. That's, so it's not really a magical single package. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't buy it and it's just automatically like poof going to work. And <laughs> and one problem I have is people have already bought Office 2013 and then they buy the Office 365. So they bought the Office 2013 twice because Office 2013 is a part of Office 365. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or I even have the flip side. As I mentioned on last show, I've got business customers that are trying to squeak through and buy the home licensing for the computers and license, you know, multiple computers, mm-hmm. all a single license. And, you know, again, that, you know, that brings in a discussion of, you know, the legality and making sure that, you know, customers are licensing themselves properly. And a lot of times it's something they don't want to hear. Right. I mean, they when they see some Microsoft saying, hey, five machines can be licensed on this, you know, on this single license, you know, they think that's five separate employee systems. So, again, that's oh, part yeah. of the education process that, you know, we really have to go through and make sure that we're being very clear with customers and, you know, really doing Microsoft's job for them because Microsoft's not being clear on, you know, no. what customers need for what kind of situation and depending on how many systems that they're using. With and them. they don't so, verify anything either. Like if you buy Office Home, they don't, you know, your email, they don't verify to make sure that a domain company is not buying it. They don't mm-hmm, care. Mm-hmm. They don't care as far as licensing is my opinion. Well, and, and, and part of Microsoft's stance, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, right? They're expecting us as the partners, the, the us as the implementers, to go ahead and, and have these discussion with the customer. But again, you know, it, it, part of the problem is, you know, we're coming in after the customers are going out on their own, researching it, going on Microsoft's website, seeing all this fancy stuff, you know, buying it a lot of times, like you said, buying it outright and not even, you know, waiting to be consulted by a professional like yourself, oh, no. and then saying, "Hey, fix this mess for me, and you know, let's clean this up," right? Yeah. And and I pretty much charge double if I have to fix a mess because my project rates are set for me to get a project done within a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I have a project rate. If I'm coming in after you've already messed it up, I, 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 it might be a whole rework. And that's sometimes worse. <laughs> I mean, reworks are never fun. Yeah, because you have you know no. settings you have to go ahead and change. I mean, I, I I see a lot of situations where you know DNS is screwed up, or they have oh, yes. duplicate the MX records, old MX records, new MX records, and mails flowing to two separate places. I mean, the, the amount of things that can go wrong are you know innumerable. You know, in these kind well, of this, situations. So this flows into the next misconception, which is uh, we'll we'll skip the Pro Plus for sure, right now, sure. but the lack of tutorials. The lack of tutorials for even the end user that's like, okay, I'm going to go buy it myself and follow their wizard and my DNS gets updated automatically and wow, it's done. Now what? Mm-hmm. There's not even a tutorial for text on how to support and configure, install, and implement this at all. It has become every tech for themselves. Right, I mean, it's sort of a gauntlet, right? It's sort of yeah. uh, you know everyone find a process that works for them and and you know train their own staffs up and uh, you know, luckily you and I have been you know knee deep in the trenches in terms of uh, you know doing consulting on three sixty five mm-hmm. and doing migrations. But again, you know a lot of techs ask the question, where do I start? Where do you begin? You know where is that yeah. where is that ground point where I just here is the guide that shows me from step one to step ten how to get there? And and, and unfortunately the the short and long of it is there is no single guide that exists of no. that nature. And, and, and you know, I, I, whether this is Microsoft's doing or just with how complex the product is, it's, you know, there's a lot of tentacles to it. And every single situation, I mean, and Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, but, 
you know, every situation is in some ways a little bit different than the last. So there's so many variations between where you're coming from, what you're going on to, what pieces of the suite you need, how many users you're licensing. There's, you know, all these different aspects, you know, create this kind of a situation where you really need to become a a self-supporting expert before you can really go in the trenches and start offering this to customers because it's it's dangerous. Well, let's not how many. Let's not talk about how many times that they've changed the interface of the control panel in the past year alone. Yeah, I mean, we've I mean, seen, yeah, we've seen I, I think two major overhauls <laughs> since the new 2013 version has come out. Two major overhauls have hit the control panel, and even now, like you know, I'm, my customer base, I've got small business clients, I've got enterprise level clients, I've got some of the mid-sized clients from when the mid-sized plan was still around. <laughs> I've got all kinds of flavors of control panels floating around. So you know, it becomes even more confusing when you're you know you're managing all these different interfaces and you know one way you did it in this panel it works a different way in the and that control panel so yeah oh, that's yeah. something that i really give you know microsoft needs to improve on in terms of getting all you know all the technical back end aspects under one single flag you know because again it was it used to be very messy now it's still sort of messy i think they're trying to move in the right direction in that that there you know there really isn't a big difference now between the the small business plan control panel and the enterprise control panel which is good but i think again there needs to be a seamless uniform look and feel and process for things because you know, there can't be nuances for every single plan edition, oh, you know, is. for technicians. I, I think I just saw on Twitter this morning that there's a new interface out for the Office 365 login. And I believe it can be branded now for yes. your company. Yeah, that just yeah. came out. So you can brand your login page and you can also offer self-service reset where users can now reset their own passwords without having to ask the administrator. So, oh, uh, again, <laughs> you know. It could be a nice feature, but again, there's setup that's involved as part of that now, which I was looking at, you know, because I haven't implemented that. It just came out like four days ago, so it's brand spanking new. Uh, but again, there's more setup that's involved for that to work as you're onboarding new customers. So that's something all you know else that you have to take into consideration if customers are going to want to use. Oh, Derek! Uh, sometimes <laughs> I wonder why I got into this. It's just so much going on. But you know. Back to the the recap again before we move into the mm-hmm. next topic sure. is is how I just hope that people understand that Office 365 Home is different than business and the business options that what did we say this morning there's six of them when you go to our link yeah so and there's, there's six a- different options of business ones you can buy exactly Derek works in the enterprise level which if you're a tech like myself you will never do enterprise anything so those are the last six. The first three are where my people call in. They've either bought the business essentials, which is five bucks a month, mm-hmm. which is just you know simple online versions of Office, the Exchange, which is called Business Class Email, Calendar, and Context, and then File Storage, mm-hmm. which that was the next topic here. And before I rolled into that, I wanted to just <laughs> – this, this is the most disturbing part of the whole suite. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, just Necessary to evil, yeah. <laughs> click on our compare the links. You're going to see it a little bit better. If you're a tech that just does what I do, don't worry about the enterprise. We're going to um, uh, not talk about that today so much. And then the three is the – the Office 365 Business Essentials, Office 365 Business, and then Business Premium, which nobody wants the one in the middle because that's kind of like the one why would you want to subscribe to it when you could just buy. Mm-hmm. And and that takes me to another point. I actually read on Slipstick. Uh, if you're not a f- um, Outlook person, you probably don't go to Slipstick a lot, but it's a nice Outlook reference page. Yeah, they have a lot of great oh, tutorials. Geez. I mean, it's like the... You know, encyclopedia of anything and any, oh, yeah. everything Outlook. <laughs> so. You know, it, it is. And there's a few sites as well I go to as an Outlook technician that I can find some nuggets in there. But Diane uh, Peremsky is actually the author of this article, I believe. And she put out that uh, there's a big difference between Office 365 and Office 2013. Basically, Office 2013, you have to buy that. If you're going to buy that standalone, that's mm-hmm. not part of Office 365. Office 365 is always subscription. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe what she said was true. I can try to find that for the link as well because subscription is a huge difference. I just sold a company on buying Office 2013 outright versus uh, leasing it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it didn't make sense financially for them to be paying the leasing price on it when they can have this for 10 years. Yeah. 
And that's part of the interview process, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit. But, I mean, I interview my clients to make sure they get what they need, not what Microsoft offers. It's true. See? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, we have to be consultants. We have to make sure that, you know, we're not right. overselling, you know, not selling them the wrong plans. And, and especially this comes into play, you know, on, I, I don't want to go too far into it, but again, on the enterprise side, because we're doing a lot of mixing and matching in a la carte plans, yeah. some, you know, putting some people on E1 or E3 and then getting some people on a la carte plans like exchange online only, because again, you know, the, the customers are looking to us to help them make those financial decisions and be on the right subscription yeah. level. And, you know, it, it you know, the little bit extra effort you put in is really going to come they're going to thank you in the long term you know yes. when they're saving those thousands of dollars every year as opposed oh, yeah. to you know someone that would have just said hey you, everyone needs e3 or you you need business premium regardless so and that's a perfect misconception is a lot of people just need exchange and they that takes us to our next topic is um well a the migration falsehood and b the advertised space for onedrive i mean if if but they don't tell you in Office 365 when you go to buy it is that there actually this thing called the migration. So the migration whiz that they offer, which is not to be uh, mistaken for migration whiz, that's the tool, is the uh, Microsoft offers it online and people like end users can do it themselves and get their DNS updated and have their records all delivering correct and their email working. But there's the whole desktop migration issue. And um, I know a lot of people have just started new profiles and they're on their new server, but they don't have any of their notes, tasks, contacts. And some folks have figured it out. They, you know, they copy and paste it or try to figure it out. But of course, we as migration experts know the proper thing to do is back up mm-hmm. all of your email first. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's why you pay us a high amount of money to make this as seamless as possible process. And I hear that word seamless quite a bit, Derek. <laughs> I hear it from a lot of clients. We just want this seamless. I'm like, well, that's a good thing you're hiring for help. Well, and that's why they call us. You know, a lot yeah. of people want to, you know, uh, you know, do it or do it themselves and bootstrap it on their own. But you know, once they learn some of the intricacies and, and everything that goes into, you know, from the email part to moving over the autocomplete record uh, uh, contacts to you know doing the uh, you know or transitioning email and moving over uh, email history for you know five ten users, that's that's where you know the business owners are like, you know, this is too much for me, and I, I need someone yeah. to step in and give me some support here. Well, really, what people want is when the migration is done, they just want people to be able to go back to work. Yeah. They don't want snakes. They don't want issues. So I think as experts, we've learned how to do the migration seamlessly enough. I mean, there's always going to be a snag. And that's where uh, I'll just pitch my book real quick. Um, The Call That Girl's Guide to an Exchange, Microsoft Exchange Migration is very helpful. It's a step-by-step 22-page guide, which covers everything. And it's only $15. So it's cheap. But anyway, my pitch is over. Moving ahead with the uh, misconceptions is uh, the final one is advertised space for OneDrive for business is not the same as SharePoint. Now, when you go to that link we put up there in the notes, compare all Office 365, I told Derek before the show, you notice they don't even use the word SharePoint or OneDrive. Mm-hmm. It's called file storage, yep. sharing with one, one sing- terabyte. One single term, and, and, and that's, again, Microsoft's confusing marketing machine misleading people right off the bat. Yeah. Well, what is it, SharePoint or OneDrive? Okay, it's really OneDrive. And if you want SharePoint, I think they actually only give you 10 gigs per person. And they don't tell you that you can't download it to be the desktop app, which we talked about in the last show. Mm -hmm. And everything has to be in the browser. And you actually probably need a SharePoint expert if you want any bells and whistles. And nope, they don't tell you that at all. And that's the stuff that we as technicians, you know, when you go to sell the whole Office 365 package, I do the interview process to find out, do they really need a robust SharePoint? Mm-hmm. And I do not offer OneDrive for business because that's a horky application as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And now that they, I think you said they lifted the cap so it's unlimited. Yeah, yeah. So my, oh. actually, in October, they announced that uh, everyone's going to be getting unlimited space in their OneDrive for business account. I don't think it's hit everyone yet. For example, my account, I don't believe, has it uh, at our company. Um, but it's it's coming, and it's being unlocked for everyone. And, and again, that's going to bring in the question of, well, are people going to be expecting to synchronize, you know what, one, two, three terabytes of oh data in their God. SharePoint client, in their OneDrive client? I mean, I, I don't know. I hope not. And I, I don't know what the limits are going to be you know, surrounding that, but that's going to be messy. It really is. First thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to put up two terabytes of music and try to cap <laughs> that out, you know. 
Or let's just throw in the fun part, some porn collections, you know. Yep. Let's go put it up on Wonder so I can have my catalog synchronized between all six of my computers, you know. Yeah. I mean, it happens, and, and people pay good money, and I have billed people. Although I don't like doing OneDrive calls anymore, um, get this. I actually have a OneDrive expert in progress mm-hmm. because it's just not something that I want to deal with anymore. Sure. But hey, I've charged people one to two hours to fix their snags, and they're willing to pay it because they think this is the end-all, be-all product, and it's not. There's lots of other products. We talked about that in the last show. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so you know, circling back here, when you're comparing all the products, the misconceptions is the interview process for me is knocking it down to what people want, sell them what they need, mm-hmm. and they might want it all, but then you get down what they need, and they're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be paying this huge dollar amount, and your fees, you're like, no. Yeah, and, 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 and it goes back to, you know, reality check, right? Bringing expectations back down to where they should be, right? The people go on the website, Microsoft's website, they see all the bells and whistles. It looks so easy to implement, right? But they don't know what goes into building out, you know, SharePoint libraries. They don't know what goes into, you know, setting up, uh, you know, a lot of the advanced features for 365. So, again, making sure that they know, you know, how much extra cost, for example, is going to go into building out SharePoint intranets or, or document libraries for them and telling them, okay, you know, is this really something that you need or is this something that would just be nice to have? Once we can filter that out, then I think we can make an informed decision with that customer. Well, you know what, Derek, I got a call from a client about a year and a half ago, right when this was all kind of just pumping out. Sure. And they said, we bought two Office 365, I forgot what it was called back then, but the $15 a month. That was, I believe, what that was. That was the mid-sized business. Yeah, that that was the mid-sized business plan. Yeah, That one had Active Directory in it. Mm -hmm. And these are two girls that ran a little, like, um, workout area. Sure. And so they wanted help with OneDrive. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I get in there, and it turns out one of them had OneDrive personal installed. The other one had OneDrive for business. (laughs) I'm like, well, why are you paying $15 a month to have OneDrive? They weren't even using Exchange. Uh Uh-huh. They wanted Office 2013 and OneDrive. I, I told them, you're overpaying. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> but that's well, what they went out and did themselves, too. Sure, you know? sure. They went out and did that themselves. So I was like, you know, and back then it was the confusion of personal versus OneDrive for business, which is still happening. It's still around. It's still around. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you can't use OneDrive, you know, so loosely because, again, the OneDrive personal is the one that is free but doesn't come any, with any support. And then you have the business one, which is supposedly becoming unlimited. Um, and the free one is not unlimited. So just so everyone knows that difference between the storage space yeah. uh, and the business one, of course, comes with, you know, support from your vendor or Microsoft, you know, yeah. whichever. So, But everybody loves the support from Microsoft anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I hope that we covered the differences with a few add-on points of Office 365 recapping uh, to let people know a little better understanding of it. Our next topic is Windows versus Mac versus Web web apps. Derek, I'm going to let you take this one. All right. So this one, so this one boils down to uh, again, you know, making sure that people are aware of the differences of the desktop apps or well, or the web apps, right? When they're going ahead and and we're consulting them on you know which version it is that they're going to be using as you know either solely or as part of their environment. Because uh, again, now we have three different flavors in terms of how Office can mm-hmm. be used, right? We have the Windows version, which is again still the most powerful version. That's still at version 2013, and and again that can be purchased. Separately as a non-subscription okay. product is just Office 2013 quotation marks, and then if you buy that as as a subscription package, you know that's considered the Office 365, the Pro Plus version, uh, um, Pro Plus. Um, package that you can buy as a subscription and that's just 2013 as a you know as a leased piece of software Mm -hmm. right um and again now for the mac side we have the mac version microsoft offers office 2011 for mac uh users so again the mac version's a little bit behind and and again you know lisa there are the quirks and nuances that come with that being such an old version the version of outlook that microsoft includes you know has some rough edges. I know Link, my Link users on Mac uh, for Office 2011 have a lot of complaints and a lot of crashing going on, things of that nature. So uh, again, you know, teaching people about, you know, what the expectations should be when before they, you know, jump into this, I, I think is very, very important um, when it comes to the, oh, the, to the desktop don't suites. Even, don't even consider using SharePoint as a, as a uh, desktop app on the Mac. Another it, great it, point. I just cannot get that to work, so I give up, and I've told all Mac users if they call that they better be prepared to do it in the browser. Mm-hmm. 
But then again, remember, SharePoint is supposed to be for co-authoring. Mm-hmm. That's the selling point of SharePoint. It's yeah. not a file sharing. It's co-authoring. Mm-hmm. So if you got two people working on a document, that is about the only solution that I'm aware of for co-authoring. Now, file sharing, sure, we've got tons of other products, mm-hmm. but they don't. But you're gonna have two copies, Sam. Exactly. And that's that's what people don't want. And uh, I mean, I don't know whoever came up with this concept of co-authoring in the first place. Well, I, I think co-authoring. <laughs> I think co-authoring was sort of something that came out of the Google Apps camp, right back in the late two, uh, you know, the late two thousands. Um, they're the ones that really started Great. that craze, and Microsoft, you know, just followed on board on the bandwagon. Um, so, I mean, it's here to stay. I mean, people, yeah. you know, once they try it and they if they need it, they love it. You know, I, th- I think that there's two camps. There's ones that'll never need it, never use it, and there's ones that you know they see a need for it and they have a business, you know, need for that kind of a scenario, and and they just absolutely love it. So you know, oh. I see two extremes. On, on the co-authoring I actually uh, have to. I actually have to think that SharePoint 2003 probably did the co-authoring. I, I vaguely remember um, my old firm I, or my old company I worked at. We had co-authoring back then, but we had like five million spreadsheets up on SharePoint <laughs> intranet. I mean, we were an IP company mm-hmm. that managed IP for the Navy Marine Corps. I mean, just huge spreadsheets. Yeah. They had to have co-authoring back then. I don't know. I, I don't think. Well, again, I think again we're playing with semantics here. I, I don't think exactly. it was necessarily. I think it was 100 co-authoring. It was check in, check out, which was sort of oh, you know, hand, you know that, that there, you know, that version of co-authoring is is not necessarily you know real time as what True. they consider it now in the new OneDrive and, and SharePoint um, side of things. So yeah, Microsoft well, you know did get that started, uh, but again, it was a check in, check out process. Potato, potato. <laughs> but the point yeah. is, is that yeah, there's limitations on the Mac. And then the, the third part of the Windows versus Mac versus web apps is, Derek, do you know anybody that ever wants the web apps? I mean... Well, you know, as I mentioned as last show, I had one law office out east that actually went 100% on the web apps edition of 365. I haven't really heard back from them in terms of, you know, whether they, they mm-hmm. like it or, or don't like it. Um, you know, I, I think it's working for them. But again, the, the majority of customers, you know, as you said, at least, the majority of customers yeah. know what they'll expect in the desktop app realm yeah. and they really want that functionality they want all the bells and whistles and you know nine you know 99 times out of 100 i'm going to say it easily you know the the desktop apps is where most customers really want to be yeah they're with their computers so yeah people want the documents so it moves into our next one actually the case for 365 is our next topic is um is uh people like attaching from their outlook mm-hmm. they want to attach that document they don't want to have to deal with downloading it from the browser app and doing this and doing that and it's just extra work mm-hmm. they want to work like how it used to you know easy attachments easy everything um so like i said uh, the the basic reason why people call me for it is i think exchange i think that the rest you know is kind of like the bells and whistles and they like it but they have to fix their pop email issues their size issues imap issues icloud google apps and I know you're a Google, Google Apps guy, but, you know, I think that a lot of people want to get off it because it just doesn't work with some of the Exchange stuff or, excuse me, their Outlook. Yeah, Outlook doesn't function very well with it. I mean, last no. episode we spent a lot of time talking about uh-huh. the problems with uh, Google Apps uh, Sync for Outlook. It's a very messy product. It's sort of a, you know, uh, Google saying, hey, we support Outlook, but not really. We want you in the web browser. Yeah. So, you know, there's that constant battle going on uh, with, with Outlook mm-hmm. users using uh, and, and Google Apps, and it, it tends to break very often. So, yeah, I mean, when people see that and, and experience that, they're like, you know what, we want to go back to uh, Exchange, the familiar environment, and, and, and you know, 365 really brings that together and mm-hmm. and again I, and I fully agree with you Lisa it, it, you know everything when it comes to a customer wanting to go on office 365 I think most of the time the discussion centers around email it does center yeah. around the exchange you know exchange is sort of the cornerstone of why they're moving everything else is sort of okay it's a nice to have or a you know nice extra nice bonus mm-hmm. for them like link or or OneDrive but really the crux of this discussion is always exchange you know with core email functionality yep. having that you're not having to deal with the pop issues with the IMAP uh, synchronization problems that they've been dealing with and exchange really solves a lot of those problems right out of the box for us at a, at a very low price point you know yeah. really. so i found that people on the mac even with their 2011 they came from an entourage or mac mail background sure right? and they sure. actually flow to it really well i've only had a couple mac users that said you know what i'll just use the browser mm-hmm. <laughs> i said yeah it's outlook 2011 is not for everybody 
Yeah. Yeah, it's the clunkiest of their products, and uh, it, it is not easy sometimes for me to fix even. And I've actually done some of my Mac work on my own PC, and then I upgrade their server and download mm-hmm. a fresh copy on their on theirs. I hate to say it, but I have to do it. <laughs> well, it's just because the tools, the tools that Microsoft built into Outlook for Mac 2011, I mean, they're just not on par with where Outlook 2013 no. is. It's just, it's just not there. So yeah, we're playing that game of manual intervention, doing some of the fixes on our computer, and then sending back those data files over to the, to the uh, customer's machine. So it's a, it's a necessity. It's a fact of life. And you know, hey, we deal with it until the when the Mac side gets cleaned up. So I hope that their next version is something that's like like Outlook 2013. That would just make me so happy. Well, I, I think the new version of Outlook for Mac is actually out. I think if you're an Office 365 subscriber, I think you do have access to that as part of your, you know, part of your license. I just um, did a download. It was 2011 still. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll check it out though. Huh. But uh, yeah, I thought I'll so. take a look into it because I thought yeah. that the Outlook for Mac team made a big announcement about it and said the new version is, you know, out. I thought so too, but I went to go click on it. It said 2011, so yeah. I don't know. Could be a bunch of trickery and uh, and a big hoax. So. <laughs> All right, so do we have anything else to cover in that web, or sorry, Windows, Mac versus web apps? I kind of pulled in the next topic, but it rolled in anyway. Yeah, I think that's really the big, uh, the, I mean, that's really the, you know, as, as far as we should go with the discussion, right? I mean, it's just knowing yeah. the differences, knowing the nuances, knowing that, again, it's a, in terms of a hierarchy, what's your best scenario? Your best scenario is Office 2013 for Windows. Your next best is going to be your Mac version, and then your good experience is just going to be within the web browser. So, again, yeah. knowing that, that scale in terms of, you know, um, best, better, good, yeah. you know, as long as techs know that, I think they're going to be in good shape. Yeah, well, uh, with the with our next topic, the cases for Office three sixty five, why people are going. I already covered the email pop, IMAP, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You though yeah, have my, other I'm... issues that don't have to do with my kind of work. Yeah, so on my side, um, we deal with a lot of the mid-sized business, uh, enterprise business realm, and and this is where we have a lot of customers, especially ones that used to run their own servers, that are saying, you know what, time is up, and you know, especially Exchange 2003, which is about to come end of life for a lot of customers. A lot of them are scrambling, especially the ones that are under you know strict compliance guidelines like HIPAA, you know, medical offices, things like that, where they have to be off by the time that support ends. Uh, They're scrambling right now, so a lot of them are looking to move to. 365, uh, which is a natural fit because deploying new servers or exchange servers is messy, it's painful, it's time-consuming, and it's very expensive to you know maintain for the long haul. So it just doesn't make sense anymore to put up no. exchange servers. Uh, at least for like, the customers hey, I work with. Hey, that 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 server in the in the corner. I mean, we can get rid of that thing. That makes a lot of noise. Yes, you can. Yeah, most of the time you can. Yeah, that's and that's really what we're doing a lot of times. So a lot of times, especially on the you know not on the enterprise side, more so on the mid-sized business side, we're moving people away from the server, putting you know getting them onto Office 365, so they have their email, they get their archiving as part of that, and then we uh, you know for example, you could do you know some kind of file sharing solution, or they can just do a standard like a network attached storage box to to replace that by old server. So yeah. a lot of options out there. I mean, so many different you know ways that a customer can go. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's quite plentiful today. So. Oh, yeah. And then also that kind of rolls in with new clients who have Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, I need to set up a whole new system. And I've got four employees. So that's my favorite kind of client because you get them right at the at the beginning. We yeah. Can, so they're not yeah. – uh, persuaded already by other things yeah the little startups the ones that uh you know are looking to just get moving they have nothing you know that they have in terms of uh uh, email backbone right now and they need to make that proper decision i mean that is the perfect time because again as opposed to wasting labor on moving them off of imap or pop from godaddy or some other bad provider uh you know they can start (laughs) they can start fresh on a clean slate that's you know a good a a good starting point for them so that is a a perfect scenario for 365 situation and the other situation is maybe somebody who's moving from the old hosted exchange and they want to be on the new exchange online, a.k.a. exchange. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> again, we, class email, better yet. Yeah. So we touched on this last show. If you're looking for yeah. more detail on host exchange versus 365 and what the differences are, look at, uh, look at uh, show number one that we did uh, on this as it went over in detail about you know the, the nuances and differences there. But in general, the rule of thumb, host exchange is, 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 is clunky. It's 
overpriced. Uh, it tends to be more expensive, and uh, it really does not run the same version of Exchange as Microsoft does in Office 365. You're always running a release behind or two releases behind. So, you're, you know, customers can't take advantage of all the new fancy features that Microsoft no. is advertising. So, Nope. We say bye-bye to Hosted Exchange. Yep. Except I just did a Hosted Exchange sale last week, <laughs> and you think it goes away, Derek, but it doesn't. It sometimes well, comes back. Yeah. Well, okay. It's what the client needed. It's not something they wanted. They needed it. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a situation that required it, right? And you had no choice, so you had to do it. But so right. in general, if I have the choice, if if I have the choice, and I'm consulting a customer on what direction to go, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm going to be pushing them down the 365 yeah. route. It's cleaner. It's the best term option for the long haul, and uh, and they never have to go through the mess of you know getting off that hosted exchange provider. Yeah. Well, so. we can always dream. I, I, it will happen, though. <laughs> yep. All right. The next topic is licensing options, and this is all about Derek because I don't really deal with it much, and we'll explain why after this topic. But I'm gonna let him take the take the lead on this. <laughs> all right. So, so in terms of licensing, this is a discussion that that comes into play with any customer that uh, we're onboarding, and and I always bring this as, uh, up on you know perhaps the first call, but you know almost always the second call I have with the customer uh, after we find out you know what it is they need, what their business needs are, uh, what aspects of Office 365 that they're truly looking for. We can start piecing together what plan you know they're supposed to be on. Uh, and again, we touched on the differences between home and business. So now we're focusing, okay, so we know the customer wants to go onto the business version of Office 365. Now we have six different options. If you go on the comparison page that we have in the show notes, you'll see the six different main options that are available for 365. And this this is not even all of them, to be honest, because, again, now you can also purchase services like Just Exchange Online. You can purchase that a la carte. You can purchase that as a standalone item, which gives you just email. None of the other bells and whistles. No OneDrive, no SharePoint, no link. So it's plain Jane Vanilla uh, Exchange Online at that point. Um, but again, you know, there are different licensing levels that we can go with. And, and again, the, so the rule of thumb is, you know, the smaller customers can a lot of times get away with just going with email only, right, Lisa? And this is the yeah. way your, a lot of your customers go. They just choose to go Exchange Online because they don't need any other aspects. They don't yeah. need that office subscription for desktop rights, right? That's right. And I don't need to sell them anything else because a lot of times there's small businesses there to have a – you know, some even have a server still mm-hmm. that they use for file sharing, and they're like, "Well, we don't want to mess with that." So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, it just the interview process again helps me pick out and knock out what they um, what they need mm-hmm. versus what they want." And a lot of times, it's the need. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, like for you, and you're doing enterprise level, you have a lot more to go through because. I, you know, it comes also down to your sale, your systems, your people that are going to help on the job. I mean, there has to be. It does. It, oh. it gets it gets it gets convoluted, right? Especially yeah. with larger businesses that are looking towards the enterprise side of things, right? So we have discussions on, you know, hey, are you a customer that's uh, regulated by things like HIPAA? Do you need email encryption, right? That brings into yeah. okay, we need a suite that offers us email encryption, or we need to buy. Exchange Online, Plain Jane Vanilla, and then tack on, you know, Azure Rights Management to give us that encryption, you know, aspect of it. So, so things like that, the nuances of making sure that the aspects that they need are being included. Uh, here's another oh, example yes. that it comes up: archiving. A lot of customers that archiving, we work with, have archiving needs or journaling needs, and that doesn't come with any of the plan levels except um, Exchange Online Plan Two or um, Office 365 E3. So again, that's something that customers need to know about because if they think they're going to go out and just purchase, you know, business essentials for 250 of their workers and they find out that, Hey, that doesn't come with archiving. You know, that's, it'll be a little bit of an eye opener when they have to, you know, pay the step up fee to attack that item on. So again, this is part of the discussion process, finding out what are your needs so that I can go back as a consultant. And and I'm sure you do the same thing, Lisa, go back as a consultant. Once you find out what they need and then be able to piecemeal out and say, Hey, I think it's going to be smarter for you to go into enterprise because you need, you know, 50 people people on uh, Exchange Online and then another 20 on E3 because they need download rights and they need all the other bells and whistles or, you know, they just need email only or they just need, you know, some other plan uh, for themselves. So you have to do that fact finding up front because, you know, going about and purchasing licensing and then two months later, you know, the customer finds out that they don't have a certain need as part of their licensing um, that you know they thought they were going to have. It's a little bit messy to go ahead and have to change mm-hmm. licensing in mass at, 
after the fact. So getting it right up front is critical to a successful rollout and a customer that's going to be happy on the product. And guess what else I've learned, Derek? In the past, oh, probably two weeks since our show, I have learned that I'm probably taking my consulting once I learn all this <laughs> mm-hmm. to the next level because I am starting to get calls for people that need archiving, journaling, mm-hmm. uh, spam filtering, and a HIPAA. Now, this is a sign of your business starting to grow, mm-hmm. I think. I never had to deal with those words before. <laughs> and I call them words because that's all they used to be to me. Was My clients would be like, hey, I have Outlook Archive set up. I would be like, hey – a lot of my clients don't like that. How about if I show you how to archive it better? Mm-hmm. So I would email management, train them, right? Sure. Okay, now spam filters. Well, we all get tons of spam. So now, since I'm an exchange you know, technician, I've been getting more of these questions. So the next show, possibly, I don't want to say this, but we have to talk about that stuff more in depth because it's really a big sell for us as technicians. So I'm going to put a note. I okay. should have said that, but I'm going to put a note that we talk about that for sure because – if you sell those products, that's a bigger sale. So in your interview process, you should say, do you need archiving? Do you need journaling? Do you need spam filter? And do you need HIPAA compliant? Mm-hmm. Because not only SharePoint, I believe is HIPAA compliant, but there's also other products for file sharing and not co-authoring that offer HIPAA compliant, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. FileLocker. We sure. talked about that last show. Okay, few. Another question, and one, and one other thing that you want to make sure they ask, um, yeah. you know, customers as well is, you know, hey, do you have Active Directory? Are you going to want to sync oh, yes. up to your Active Directory for your, you know, for your your, your online accounts in 365? Right. I mean, I have customers that are very large that choose not to do directory sync for one reason or another. We're not going to get into those details on this show, um, but again, you know, there are. Uh, you know, prerequisites. There are things mm-hmm. that a customer needs to know that they need in their environment. Their Active Directory level, for example, needs to be of a certain domain forest level. Um, and and if you're running a super old version, like on a 2003 domain, you know, forest level, you know, that could be a showstopper for them if they're not prepared to make that upgrade. So again, you know, it goes into you know finding out what is it that those clients need, what is it that they really want to uh, have as part of their their Office yeah. 365 package. And I it's never important. I never deal with Active Directory. That is just my uh, stop right there. Mm-hmm. People are like, I have Active Directory. You're not my client. Yeah. Well, no, it I'm increases not- complexity. It really, I mean, the project starts to get a little more ornery, you know, at that point, because again, now you have to, you know, go into and do some, mm-hmm. you know, consulting on, you know, how does their Active Directory look? Is it, you know, in a shape where it can be synced up to Office 365? Do they have the prerequisites? Are they willing to put up an extra server just to install AD sync uh, for themselves? So, you know, it's a different set of questions that come into play if they want to go yeah. ahead and do uh, directory sync or even the, the, the nastier beast, which is federation services, which I don't let any of my oh, customers go down that path. I just, you told me about a horror story that's come up <laughs> just in the well, last uh, week or two with that, right? When you're doing a job for a client, they're like, hey, my DNS is all messed up because their emails aren't working and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And you see the word federation. <laughs> that's so like, wow. I, you know, and I said before, I have worked with Active Directory, but I was just an admin. Mm-hmm. And I say that, just an admin. I didn't do any server work. I didn't do anything hardcore. I added, deleted users. I managed groups. Sure. I mean, simple stuff, you know, that I had to give permissions for. But I'm not going to deal with an AD migration of anything or any of this stuff. The word federation is another word I will never probably deal with. <laughs> it just scares me. Yes. <laughs> I, it's just not my level of work with Office 365, which would go mm-hmm. to mm, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if like a client said, hey, we've got 100 users, I'd pass that right on over to you, Derek. And that's one thing you have to learn is who is your perfect client, you know? It ain't me if I get that call. And I think that's a that's a great point that you bring up, Lisa. Yeah. I think you know understanding what 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 is your comfort zone. What are you capable of handling, right? If you get a customer that has a thousand seats or a thousand users, right, and they're looking yeah. to do a tie-in link phone system with Office three sixty five, with a desync, with full encryption, with compliant archiving. I mean, you need to know where to draw the line because you can't be an instant expert on everything with three sixty five, right? I know where my limits are. I know where I'm not willing to go in terms of seat count or what technologies they're looking for right you'd have to know when to branch out and say you know what i need help there's nothing wrong with saying i need help or i can't do this oh no mine was i you know when i started getting into it i was learning i can do this this is basic 101 but i Mm -hmm. need to know the basics yeah 
that's where my struggle was. And now that I'm doing it all the time, I get emails from texts that are like, hey, can you personally show me how to do a migration? And I'm like, sure. well, for $300, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to treat you like a regular migration. Sure. Or you could buy my book. You know, it's 15. Mm-hmm. Then you learn and maybe ask me a quick question over email, you know. Mm-hmm. But everybody's first migration never goes smooth. In fact, again, the word seamless never happens. There's always some snag that comes up. and uh, There's all kinds of things that come up from behind the bushes that you just oh, didn't yes. expect on that, on that first move. Oh, and, yes. And again, you know, if you've had some experience with exchange, right, you have a leg up, right, you have a good base level of knowledge. But you got to remember that, you know, even though exchange online is still exchange, it's a little bit of a different beast, right? It's a cloud version of exchange. It has a different control panel. It doesn't necessarily have all the 10,000 bells and whistles of, you know, what you have in the in the old server version of exchange. So you're going to have to be willing and ready to, you know, relearn some of the aspects you thought you knew. So, right. you know, there is definitely a lot of that that goes on, and especially with that first move. I mean, that's the critical one. Oh, yeah. Your first one? The baby. <laughs> one you'll never forget. <laughs> All right. Next on our list is vendor options. Now, you do not use a vendor, right, Derek? You do I, I do not. We are, we are a direct Microsoft partner. And again, this is, so this is a difference in you know, how we choose to, to, to handle our relationship with 365 and how you go about it. And uh, you know, we just, you know, as my company, since we've been growing as a, as a direct Microsoft partner and, and, and growing our competency base with that, uh, for us, it just makes more sense right now to continue going down that path and just do direct sell, you know, direct with Microsoft and not go through a vendor because, you know, again, we have the relationship they give us some extra resources that a traditional you know a a partner or you know someone off the street wouldn't get so it it just again it depends on you know where your technology business is and what path you've been going down since you know we're we we come from a more traditional managed services provider space you know we've been dealing with a lot of other aspects of microsoft's technologies that you know some other technicians may not have so where for us it makes sense to deal with microsoft directly for some others like yourself lisa i let you talk about this but it, mm-hmm. it may make more sense to work with a a, a, a larger uh, third-party provider like uh, like the one that you're using. Well, here's what I don't like, Derek, is sitting on the phone with Microsoft for two to four hours to fix an issue. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm billable at a high rate. I'm a break-fix on-demand company. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if a, my decision was when I first started this out with doing hosted exchange with GoDaddy was I, I took the responsibility of the tech support out of myself, really, because GoDaddy was handling it. Well, I got very frustrated with GoDaddy Mm -hmm. at some point, and I was like, look, I can't deal with this. So then I got wind of another company. Now, when I found out that I don't have to do the calls to Microsoft, that was the immediate, I'm sold. (laughs) And that's the difference, is that I could be billing $129 an hour for four hours instead of being on the phone with Microsoft, and all I can do is email and social media. Sure. I mean, so that's sure. where my time is not uh, being spent well. So if you have a great partnership with Microsoft and you are like, okay, I can call and actually get a third-level tech and get this fixed fast, that's your choice. You should resell it directly. I took it out of the hands of Microsoft, and I have my third-party vendor do it, and they offer 24-7 support. Their pricing is just about the same. I think it's mm-hmm. off by a nickel mm-hmm. for a basic exchange. And, and yes, I have to do some of the work. I have to do what I think they call the onboarding, mm-hmm. which I don't use that word a lot. <laughs> I'm going to be starting to use it, though, because now I'm in that world. Sure. The onboarding, which is setting it all up, I, I think. I've never had to use that word before. I'm I got, I'm growing up, Derek. Well, but. <laughs> you always, you always called it, you've always called it a migration, right? You've always just called it the migration, yeah. right? But you know, onboarding is the all-encompassing way of looking at it in terms of selling the customer properly, yeah. getting the service set up, migrating the data, and then you know making sure okay. that you know they're in a good position, you know, moving forward. I'm with the setup. I'm big enough to understand. So in your world, you call it onboarding, which is the whole process, mm-hmm. and I call it migrations, which is basically just the migration. Well, I'm now responsible with my vendor to do the uh, login to their portal. I buy the, the amount of seats. I buy the products. So if mm-hmm. you think that there's um, this comparison chart is difficult, wait till you see the vendors. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> there's a lot of options of stuff to buy. Mm-hmm. And I just pretty much picked the one button, exchange basic. You know, mm-hmm. that's all I need. But uh, anyway, I do like using the vendor. And yes, they do offer commissions. Uh, every company's different. 
And uh, every company offers commissions at different levels. So if you're out considering using a vendor, make sure you call a few. Uh, of course, I've already mentioned GoDaddy. They have a reseller program. And I, I, the only problem I have with GoDaddy is they don't have good tech support on front level. Second of all, they've told my people to call Microsoft, which I don't like. And third, their control panel is kind of weird because they hijack it. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like that, yeah. that, 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 that customization they do on the control no. panel, which is part of the reason why I like going the direct route, you know, through Microsoft away because I get the clean vanilla version that, you know, Microsoft pushes out with all the latest additions and yeah. updates and it doesn't have any of the, you know, uh, 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 greaseball slime in that, you know, GoDaddy puts in there. I know oh, they yeah. to upsell on every single little thing they have. And again, that's just one of those little, you know, irks that, you know, I just, I, I like to avoid. Well, they don't give you the full control panel, like especially the ECP, so you can get yeah. in there and ECP is the exchange control panel. They give you the light fluffy stuff that you can't really destroy. Exactly. And then if you need help, you call them and they're like, well, really, here's the back door to it. <laughs> oh, okay. So a technician like myself had to learn that one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of people still have that. I mean, I still do stuff with GoDaddy, but I just, you know, would never buy Office 365 through them. Yeah, I, I think, think that's. I think that's something best kept, you know, out of their hands. You know, I think yeah. they, you know, they, 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 they've got their good spots. You know, I like them as a as a domain registrar and a yeah. light web host. But you know what? When it comes to 365, uh, a service like that is just. I, I don't think that you know them no. getting their fingers involved is a, is good for anyone you're better so. off just going through microsoft directly exactly. over them i mean really because yeah. yeah. i've the first time their tech said well you have to call microsoft for that i was like no no <laughs> uh what i was like what's the point what are you doing yeah you're yeah. supposed to what be are you there party. For? <laughs> yeah exactly but so there's other part there's other companies um you know i guess uh i just know of a handful of them but the mm-hmm. you know sure web i think does it uh Rackspace, i think does it uh, App River does it, and do you know Intermedia? Intermedia, Intermedia, I think. Intermedia, I think, does it as yeah. well. Yeah. I, I base it upon how good my sales rep is and talking to me and yeah. how quick they get back to me because that means they're on their ball. Um, I use App River, and their sale their sales guy gets back to me almost immediately. Their support mm-hmm. team puts – if you put in a ticket over email, it's answered within 15 minutes. And that to me is important to my clients. You can call mm-hmm. in and get a tech too right away on mm-hmm. demand, and they have the third level engineers there. Maybe not at four in the morning, but you know, they take care of things pretty quick. I actually don't even ever have any serious problems that to the point my clients don't call back in. So that's kind of you know. And I think that's and I think <laughs> a part of that goes. And I think Lisa, honestly, I think a part of that goes to how stable and how mature 365 itself is becoming. Right. Yeah. I think the platform itself is just so darn rock solid. I mean, again, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak you know 100 praises for Microsoft as they do have their trouble spots oh, yeah. with it at times. But in general, compared to traditional Exchange or some of the on-premise products, I mean, 365 is a fairly well-oiled machine. And really, knock on wood, I mean, like you said, Lisa, I don't have that many major issues. I mean, as long as the onboarding is done properly, migration is done right, that's where your expertise and my expertise come in uh, onto the table, the the technician side of making sure it's done right. As long as that's done right, everything else after that flows pretty easily. I mean, you got an account issue here. you got a permissions thing there that needs to be resolved. But in terms of big things blowing up, I haven't seen it happen. And we've done – I've done, you know, dozens and dozens of clients on 365 of all sizes already. So it's it's pretty darn rock solid. Even my folks on the old hosted exchange rarely had problems. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's just – it just re- flows really well. I, I've been on it myself uh, for a couple of years, no problems. I did have a problem once where one of my users on my call that girl that biz could not view my calendar. Sure. And I just sure. opted to not fix it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I don't care enough about it. Yeah. But um, anyway, so Derek, do you have any other uh, things you want to talk about with this vendor options? Not really. Again, I think that's a you know that's something that a, yeah. that, a, that a technician needs to you know come up with on their own and, and you know sort of weigh the options. You know, make an objective decision for yourself. Look at what Microsoft offers you. Look at what some a partners some of the partners could offer you. And again, a lot of the partners that were in the hosted exchange realm are the ones offering the 365 now. Um, as the hosted exchange side is starting to starting to dwindle down. So again, just yeah. go out there, do your homework, do your research. For us, Microsoft Direct made more sense. For Lisa, App River or third party makes more sense. It's 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 up to you you know that that's a yeah. personal decision decision you're going to have to make yeah so and if you happen to call up river tell your sales rep i told you to call or if you call them or just mention my name they like hearing that because they know their <laughs> marketing is working which to there me it's a, a happy client is, is a good marketer <laughs> that's right and that's how i hopefully we all build our businesses on happy clients telling everybody about us 
great word of mouth is the best. And again, we should probably dedicate another show, one show just to that, Lisa. But uh, you know, uh, word of mouth, word of mouth marketing, oh, word yeah. of mouth, good word of mouth marketing. I mean, that's primarily what we drives our business. You know, this uh, today, um, and I think it's great because oh, yeah. that is the you know, organic growth of that nature is the easiest and the best client base that you can grow off of. Exactly, so. and plus, if you can market new stuff to your own clients, that's even how I do all my exchange. <laughs> exactly, you got market it. to your own people. <laughs> Uh, now, the last topic for this show, and we can be brief about it, is pricing. Mm-hmm. I'm flat across the board, $300 for one person, add 150 per person, done. I do not, you know, there's no negotiation. It's on my website. My clients are very clear on how much it costs. On occasion, I might have to charge more if I get into something sticky like a Google mm-hmm. IMAP mm-hmm. filtering problem or... Uh, some other tech snag on the person's mm-hmm. computer, which like a virus might pop up, and I got to remove that. But otherwise, mine's pretty standard, you know. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to be more interested in your pricing, Derek, because if you're doing 150 people, that's kind of serious. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so when you're doing that many, you know, a lot of people are, well, I mean, customers of that size are not, you know, not going to f- let it fly to, to, you know, let you tell them that, hey, this is going to be a straight hourly project. So that really doesn't, you know, not, you know, not applicable for a lot of times. I mean, sometimes I, do, I can get away with a flat hourly um, in terms of, uh, you know, situation where I'm coming in to rescue someone that is botched a migration, yeah. you know, and they're on, you know, and they're going live on Monday and they call me on Saturday looking to, you know, fix things before mm. they go live. So in that case, yeah, I'm going to charge an emergency hourly rate to get that up and running but in general most clients that we're moving over about 20 or 25 seats uh these days i'm doing flat fee quotes for them and the reason i'm doing that is because you know again that it at that size, it becomes a point where, you know, I can logistically look at my past history with similar size clients, you know, at this point, and I can see, okay, this is how much time it took for this kind of scenario, for this kind of licensing, for this kind of old environment that they were on, and I can make those kind of inferences for myself. So I yeah. feel fairly comfortable doing flat fee quotes of that nature at this point, because uh, again, I can add some fluff to it and pad it a little bit for myself, and you know, it's a win-win for everyone. Customer knows exactly what they're going to spend, like you said. And also, you know, allows me to, um, you know, just ensure that I'm, I'm accounting for the proper amount of hours yeah. and, and giving them, you know, exactly what they're uh, what they're asking for. And the way that I price those larger flat fee projects for the larger customers, I'm actually doing it on a per head basis. So, you know, we'll say depending on what they're where they're coming from, how much email we're moving, what other services they want me to configure, uh, you know, on uh, for them like OneDrive or or SharePoint or 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 the link service, uh, I go ahead and I calculate a, a, a flat per head cost. So say like $145 per head. And we just multiply that times the number of heads they're moving or accounts that they're moving. Yeah. And that becomes their flat fee cost. And I think, you know, a lot of other organizations or, or industry players are, are pricing in that manner when you're talking about the midsize or enterprise realm. And it makes sense, you know, to, to for, for an average business owner, you know, that just, it just makes sense. Okay. I've got 150 accounts to move and this is how much it costs per account for me to move. So, you know, when you're you're talking about that many seats it just the discussion flows a little bit nicer when you're talking about on a per account basis at, yeah at so about rate. 150 bucks is about average i guess i've never done 150 people at 150 bucks a person mm-hmm. what kind of i yeah i want to talk about that later <laughs> how do you do 150 people we're gonna close on that note so our next show, I want to talk about that, Derek, in show three is because I couldn't even... And, and I think we I should talk about some of the differences, out. the migration processes. You yeah. Know, you're, doing, you're doing a lot more of the manual hands-on approach with it and the way I'm doing it, especially, I mean, anything over anything over about 10, 15 seats, you know, we're automating as much of it as possible. So I'd love to go into detail uh, with you, Lisa, in terms of, you know, how that looks, what some of the tools look like, what the planning looks like for that, uh, and all the other things that go into, you know, bigger, you know, seat count. Well, yeah, that's like where people like me could go, well, I could start learning the next level, or I could stay with what I do. And I, I definitely will build up a bunch of questions for you on the next uh, show for that, because it's it's really outside of my... Uh, level of knowledge and that's why when we started talking about the show i was like good we can get to the dirt i could actually start learning from you guys <laughs> all right Derek. well that kind of rounds out the show this uh, week show number two we'll have our notes up on the office 365techshow.com and, and how can people email in if they have any questions yeah. lisa let's remind them the email addresses uh, that they yep. can use lisa call that girl.biz and Derek is dw at firelogic.net. Yep. 
Yeah. You can email either one of us, and we'll yeah. put that in the queue for the for, for questions for next show. Uh, so anything that you have, feel free to send it in to us. Next show we're going to dive into, as we mentioned, uh, more of the migration side, planning for migration, actually doing <laughs> the migration. We're going to talk about you know Lisa's approach for on the small business side, and I'm going to get into some of how we're doing uh, mid-sized business and enterprise scale uh, migration. Yeah. So a lot of good juicy juicy stuff's going to be in the, oh, the, juicy. In the next episode. So yeah, and anything we promised in the show, we'll make sure we cover next show or the show after. It's all good stuff. Yep, we've got our rolling show notes going for the next show already, so it's Yay. definitely in there already. All right, everybody, take care, and Derek, I'll talk to you in the next show. All right, sounds all right. good. Bye, Thanks, everyone. Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.